Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. All right, guys. Well, welcome back to the Equipping and Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show. And with me today, I have a very exciting guest, Haley Williams. Haley, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I, I know a little bit about you, but you know, tell our audience about your life, marriage, ministry, and any ministry projects that you're doing, excited about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would love to. Um, yeah, so I'm Haley Williams. Um, I'm married to Joey and we have three girls who are eight, six and uh, three. And so life is really busy. We have, um, you know, we have a lot of fun with our kids. We love just being together as a family, spending time outside or uh, tonight we were actually traipsing through the woods, building a fort. We have some woods um, on our property. And so, yeah, just in a really fun season of life with them. And, um, as far as my ministry, so I have a podcast called kindled podcast and I started that almost five years ago, I believe. Yep. Almost five years ago in February, it'll be five years. And I started that, you know, out of a, a place of really not having, um, an outlet to discuss the things that I was thinking about as a growing believer, as a, someone who was maturing in their faith, kind of very, uh, early in the season of starting to ask questions about different teachings or philosophies or thinking about, you know, and when I started, I was very business focused and I I was really seeking to kind of find my niche in the business world. And so I covered, you know, all kinds of topics that from faith to business and, and launching a course or anything like that. But as I, um, actually my husband and I were at a church at the time that started very much deviating from sound biblical teaching. Uh, and I started to notice that and I, it started to bother us. And we started having conversations with pastors and pushing in on, you know, what, what we were hearing from the pulpit, what we were hearing from small group. And um, we're really concerned about that. And so I, uh, that was really the beginning of me starting to shift my focus on the podcast to discussing false teachings and things that deviated from what I knew scripture taught. And, you know, as someone who was raised in the church, I had a pretty solid understanding of what scripture actually said. So when I was confronted with some of these errant teachings, they, you know, my red flags were were going up for me, but I didn't necessarily have the words to describe why I knew they were wrong or to disagree. And I realized that a lot of women um, my age and, and like me who might might feel that, you know, they were strong Christians and yet didn't know how to discuss these things out in the public square, or even when it came to like with a pastor, you know, as, as my husband and I were dealing with. And so, um, I just really had a heart and and had it put on my heart to, to start having those conversations kind of to show people a roadmap for, you know, dissecting the things that we hear out in culture, the things that we hear in the church, the teachings that we come across and, evaluating those and holding those all up to the word of God and seeing if they really stick and stand firm. And so that's kind of what I've been doing um, for the last several years. Yeah. And, you know, I love that. And I see that, uh, you know, I was, I was shocked that one of my uh, friends in California that when he, he texted me cause his wife saw that I was on your show and he texted me and said, his wife listens to your show. And I was like, really? And I was like, She's like, yeah, I listen to her all the time. I was like, that is cool. But that's like the only time that I've got a text. One of the only times I've got a text, I was like, so Haley's a big deal. You know? Oh, gosh. You're, you're a big deal. You know, you, you got you got a you got a uh, important. Uh, she she her. Yeah, his. Yeah, her his. Uh, his, uh, his wife, my friend's wife is is uh, very discerning. So she, mm-hmm. she the fact that she appreciates your podcast, you know. I know you get a lot of that kind of stuff, but yeah. uh, 
you're doing a good you're doing good work and i tell other ladies that you should be listening to your podcast too and i don't i don't hand out i don't hand out very many of those recommendations so yeah well i mean i appreciate that and i i do take it very seriously i mean i i don't i don't have people on that you know anymore in in the early days like i said i was much less discerning i mean the first couple years i was talking about the enneagram i was talking about all kinds of stuff that you know god thankfully pulled me out of kind of pulled the wool off my eyes and and gave me that experience i think you know in a lot of ways to be able to speak to those issues you know gave me the you know allowed me to walk through some of those um just seasons of even being falling prey to some of those teachings myself so that i could really speak from first hand experience and say listen i've been there done that and i and, and it's given me just that that much more of a fire and a fervor to actually kind of dispel the lies that a lot of these things that especially my audience is obviously women that that um that women are falling prey to because um you know it makes me angry the fact that like so many people are getting sucked into them and i know that they are empty and they are not leading people into you know a deeper knowledge of god or love for him or mm-hmm. anything like that so yeah yeah that's that's good well i know something that you in the past couple months have been really passionate about and really speaking about is this idea of gentle parenting so as we begin talking about that what exactly is that that is a very good question so yeah uh, this is a topic that i honestly stumbled upon i i did not plan uh, some series on it it's not something that i historically have you know really had a, a ton of um passion to to discuss but I think, how did I, um, I can't even recall exactly how I came, came onto this conversation. Oh, I know. Um, I was sharing about my own, um, salvation experience, which maybe I can get to in a little bit, but, um, gentle there. parenting, go for it. should I do that now? Whenever, whenever or, you want to go okay. for it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So gentle parenting, there's, I think it's important for us to distinguish what gentle parenting says it does and then what it actually does. So Gentle parenting claims to be a philosophy that can help parents raise confident, independent, and happy children through empathy, respect, and understanding and setting healthy boundaries. Okay. So this is like, if you Google it, this is what you'll find. Um, And they claim that gentle parenting is a style of parenting that focuses largely on age appropriate development. Okay. So everything is kind of oriented around what, where is your child at developmentally? And let's start there. And then decide kind of how you parent them. So it's like a child-focused, oriented approach to parenting philosophy and strategies. And there's a ton of different teachers, which with a lot of different, you know, like anything, it, it, there's little sex within it that kind of probably disagree with others. And and so it is a large body of belief that um, that encompasses a lot of different people and and kind of persuasions, but. Um, they do critique one of their main things is they critique and and would criticize traditional parenting which they would claim is the uh punishment and reward model so that when children are bad they get punished and when they are good they get rewarded and that this is a behavior focused um system really mm. and so that that's what gentle parenting says it it says that it does those things it says that it is going to help you raise a confident independent and help happy child and um that you're going to be able to use you know set healthy boundaries and then hold those boundaries right but in reality um what we actually see happening with gentle parenting what i see happening with gentle parenting is it's doing something else and it's doing something that gentle parent those who profess to be gentle parents really hate when you say this they really they say we are not permissive parents. We do not permit bad behavior or permit disobedience. That's mm-hmm. permissive parenting. But the problem is that because gentle parenting actually rejects any sort of negative consequence whatsoever, by nature, it is permissive in, in its nature. Even if you don't want to call it you know, completely permissive parenting and that it might hold a boundary, it is still permitting the child to behave a certain way. So it it would say, I'm gonna set this boundary and like here's the here's the line you can go no further. Yeah. But that child can come up to the line as many times as they want and as hard and fast as they want. So let's say, mm-hmm. you know, the child is sitting at the k- kitchen table eating breakfast. 
They Mm -hmm. are eating a bowl of granola and they take a piece of granola and throw it across the ground. Mm -hmm. Well, the parent might say, um, you know, and this is actually an example from a a very well-known, well-known gentle parent. And, and this exact situation happened at her kitchen table. So she would say, Hey, the granola, this is what the lady said. She didn't ask him to get down and get it. She said, Hey, that granola. And he looks at her and ignores her. Mm. And she's not asking him to get the granola because she doesn't want to give him something to disobey. She's holding whatever, what is her boundary? I don't, what, what is it? Like if you throw the milk, that's, that's too much. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what the boundary is here because throwing food is for, and this, this child was five. So he's plenty old enough to know, you know, don't throw food. That's um, my nephew's age. Right. And, you know, having had kid, two kids that have been five and three kids overall, I, you know, we, I, I'm aware that a, a five-year-old is perfectly capable of knowing that throwing food is, is not allowed. And anyway, so this kid, the, the, the idea is that she's going to hold a boundary for her child and not permit him to go beyond that, but she's not actually addressing mm-hmm. the the problem behavior. And more importantly, from our perspective as Christians, She's not addressing the heart. All she's addressing is, hey, you threw that granola, you know, go pick it up. And she's she's trying to get him to do that without using words, because for the gentle parent for this, this is a secular parenting philosophy. What it aims to do is, like it said, raise confident, independent and happy children through empathy, respect and understanding. They have zero mission or goal to make disciples or to teach their children about the Bible or God or Jesus or how they should live in light of the fact that God made them and they were made for his glory. There's none of that is involved. And so my big beef is actually not with secular gentle parenting. I don't really, you know, like spending my time critiquing secular movements that are out in the world that have nothing to do with the church. Cause I'm not surprised the world is pursuing vain philosophies. Yeah. I am critiquing this, kind of sect within gentle parenting that is Christian, what they would say is biblical gentle parenting. That's how it's couched. And so there are, there are Christians who have adopted the philosophy of gentle parenting and they are um, kind of trying to Christianize it much like people have Christianized, you know, the Enneagram and said, we can redeem it. We can slap Mm -hmm. some biblical labels on things and use these strategies and use kind of the philosophy, uh, to our to our end of parenting. So I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, it sounds to me like what this is doing is it just lets the parent do whatever or the kid do whatever they want. And the parent is just okaying that. Well, so that's permissive. That's permissive parenting. And they would say, no, no, we have a boundary and we hold the boundary. So one thing that, you know, a situation that occurs a lot is like a sibling hits another sibling. The mom might say a gentle parent mom would would grab the child's hand and say, I'm not going to let you hit your sister. So -hmm. they're holding the boundary, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's not permissive. That's gentle. They're just holding a boundary. Yeah. But where in that scenario does the child's heart issue of either anger or rage or lack of self-control or any other number of sinful heart postures or, or things that are going on inside them, where does that get addressed? Never. Well, I mean... My problem is that this biblical gentle parenting actually is way too... The funny thing is they claim that traditional biblical discipline um, is is just all about behavior and you're just trying to get the the right action out of the child. And I would say, well, that isn't... then, Then if that is what people are doing, then that isn't biblical because we aren't concerned with behavior modification. We're concerned with gospel transformation. Yeah. And that's what we should be seeking as biblical parents. And so I would reject both the idea that all parenting is, is punishment and reward and the idea that I should merely orient my strategies around, you know, um, a, a, a philosophy that just seeks to use empathy, respect and understanding and setting healthy boundaries. Like that's, that's not cutting, that doesn't cut it for me. That's, that doesn't cut it for scripture. Right. So I would say that biblical parenting has to go much deeper and has to be much more rooted in what God's word says. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. You know, you wanted to, I think, share a little bit about 
you know, why I think why this is such a concerning thing from from your past. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, um, your story, how your story intersects with with this, right? Right. Right. So, you know, one of the things that gentle parenting um says that biblical gentle parenting experts that, you know, make their that you know, they have large platforms on Instagram, for instance. That's how I found them. Um, they one of the one of the most concerning claims from them, in my opinion, is they actually say because they're oriented around the child's developmental stage, they're really concerned about talking to the child about anything that they aren't, quote unquote, you know, ready for or can't handle. So they they actually counsel people not to discuss sin, vertical sin before God until mm. the child is like 10. Wow. So don't. So they would say like, OK, if that child hits the other person you hold the boundary you say we don't hit people i'm not going to allow you to hit people but uh, don't talk about how that is vertically a sin to god because that's kind of using mm-hmm. scripture or using the fear of you know god and and this um you, you're basically using something the child that developmentally can't comprehend and so they don't encourage people to do that until the child is older i know from research that children have developed their worldview by the age of 10. So I'm extremely concerned about any movement, Christian or not, that tells me I need to withhold some aspect of the truth of what what is wrong in my child's heart when they're sinning from them until the age when their worldview is already formed. I mean, you're yeah. you're asking me to lose basically half of the time that I have because they could probably only start to comprehend some of those things around the age of five. So from five to 10, I'm supposed to just only talk about horizontal. Don't talk about vertical. I mean, how like that just is so foolish to me. And the reason I'm passionate about that is because I was actually saved in a moment of discipline Mm. as um, an eight or nine year old. I don't remember exactly how old I was, but I had been in a really big fight with my brother. My mom sat us down at the kitchen counter, pulled out the, you know, the stools and sat us down it was one of those, you know, oh gosh, this is going to be a come to Jesus long conversation. And I just knew because we fought a lot. We just did not get along. And I was probably really mean. Um, and he was just, you know, maybe a, a little bit of an annoying little brother. And, um, you know, we had just been going at it. And she said, this sin right here, what you guys did today, both of you in both of your hearts, this sin is why Jesus had to die. Mm. Your sin against each other is what put him on the cross. It's what held him to the cross. Wow. And then and then she went on to remind us, because I had already learned this, but remind us what that entailed. The nails being driven through his hands, the crown of thorns being driven into his head, uh, you know, the mocking, the spitting, the purple robe, the the sign, you know, all of these things that I knew, but had not really yet kind of connected to. I did that. It's not just like someone's sin out there in the world put Christ on the cross. It was mine and yeah. this very sin. And it just drove it home for me in such a personal and real way that I was overcome. I was suddenly extremely aware of my sin, guilty, fully aware I was guilty before God, that I needed a savior, that I was, you know, my mm-hmm. there was blood on my hands and I just could not stop weeping. He didn't have to do it for me. He didn't have to do it for me. Mm. And I mean, I was so moved by that, you know, that, that um, moment of discipline from my mom, truly that, you know, that was the the moment that I really believed that I was saved and, and, you know, was passed from death to life. And so when parents talk about, you know, not being able to share vertical sin with their child well that means my mom wouldn't have been able to have that conversation with me if she had followed that philosophy i wouldn't have actually been given the truth that i needed i wouldn't have been shown the reality and the weight and the gravity of my sin she would have just kept it horizontal about how i treat my brother but that isn't a good enough of a why that's not that's not enough for a kid especially a nine or ten year old who's starting to really think about why they do the things they do and and start to really kind of get brazen and rebellious about you know, the choices they're making, I, they need a better answer. Like, I mean, yeah. all kids really do, but that was my story. And um, parents, like a lot of parents have resonated with that and love when I share that. And they're like, oh my gosh, I just wish I could do that. I I want to know how to do that. And, you know, we'll get into that. But um, 
but that yeah. is that is such a a personal thing for me that that really drives me to um, want to speak out about this. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. So how how do you counsel other other moms that contact you about this? Like, what's your <clears throat> advice to them? And yeah, you know, yeah. What what would you say to them? And mm. maybe even it maybe even since we have a lot of people that are you know in ministry, also, what would you say to them as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I think you know I will say the the aspect of gentle parenting that I don't want to throw out is this idea that our children are developing humans. Their brains are, you know, are growing. They're not, they're, they're not actually done. Their, their prefrontal cortex isn't even fully formed or, or complete until I think the age of 22. Um, and that might even be, you know, frankly, it's like looking at myself as a 22 year old, but it makes sense. Um, looking back on life. Right. And so I don't want to throw out the idea that, you know, development doesn't matter or that we can't have grace for our child or understand that a two-year-old isn't going to grasp what sin means or know that they're sinning against a holy God. Understand that. I have a, a child that's almost three. Um, we talk about God and Jesus, but I'm pretty sure she doesn't understand exactly what sin is, even though I'll tell her, you know, that fit you just threw, that is sin. You're not allowed to throw a fit and pitch a fit at mom. You know, that is sinning. And we're not going to, we're not going to permit that. There will be a consequence if you do that. Um, my encouragement would be to, to understand, yes, of course, that you can, um, you can be reasonable for your child's age, but at the end of the day, scripture tells us what our mission is as parents. And the reason we should care is, is not because we're at the helm, but because these children are God's, they're not primarily ours. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we understand that they are his first. It just takes a lot of the pressure off in us getting it perfect. And I think that that is something that gentle parenting does poorly is it really puts the parent at the center of, of everything. Um, and a lot of the reasons I think people move towards gentle parenting is because they might've experienced abusive discipline as a child or, or um, abusive parenting. And, and let me just admit that that is, that is sinful um, I have no issue acknowledging and rejecting abusive discipline or parents that say just continue to spank harder and harder and harder until the kid submits. Like it, I've heard a, a lot of terrible stories. And so um, I know that I know that that's real and I can understand some people's aversion to what they think biblical discipline is if that was their experience. Um, but we have to go to scripture first. And just because someone has used the Bible to abuse and to distort and twist what scripture means doesn't mean that um, we can reject it, reject it altogether. And so, you know, I would just, first of all, really encourage people to read all of the Bible, not just the verses on parenting, not just doing a, a Google search or a Bible gateway search on parenting, because you cannot come to understand um, exactly what it looks like to parent or um, particularly what fatherhood looks like as the leader of the family, unless you see God as the father through all of the Bible from old Testament to, you know, from Genesis to revelation really. Um, and so I do, you know, I do get questions like what, what verses should I go to, or what chapter should I read? And I don't really point people Mm -hmm. in one particular chapter or verse direction. I would say you need to be reading all of the Bible. So start in Genesis and and yes, you can go do a search your own on your own to find some some quick verses on parenting, and and I'll share yeah. some of those in a little bit. But um, this isn't a you know it, you you can't approach scripture as though it's kind of like a quick tip glossary of you know if they do this then do that. It is much more of an understanding of here's the role we've been given. Mm. These children are gods. We are yeah. stewards. They're placed into our care for a time. We have the responsibility to care for their spiritual, emotional, and physical well-being. But our most important biblical duty is to teach them about Jesus in action and word. And so, you know, I would just kind of pull it back when people get really dialed in. I want to pull it back to, you know, the broader conversation of what we're doing and and um, start there. Yeah. You mentioned some verses. What verses are those? Yes. So with the, with the understanding of what you said, of right. course, as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Just to, just to clarify. Yeah. Yeah. So um, 
like I said, the secular gentle parenting movement obviously doesn't care about the Bible. So they are not worried about the Bible in any way. Okay. But what I'm kind of more addressing is the Christian gentle parenting movement. And what they do with the Bible is they will twist scripture. They will distort it. They will Mm -hmm. kind of with every scripture that I've seen them call into question, basically what they're doing is saying, did God really say it's just the Genesis three question. So they don't reject the Bible's words. They just claim that they don't mean what we think they mean. That's what they, they typically Mm. do. Mm. Um, Yeah. So, so there's never a full on rejection of anything in scripture. It's just kind of a recasting, well, look at it from this lens or using what you talk about in your book, kind of like this higher Mm. criticism of the text to call into question our typical or traditional understanding of these texts, Yeah, which for a lot of moms, for a lot of women who are finding these accounts on Instagram and being counseled by them is very convincing. It's very convincing. And they don't know what the arguments are against it. So they are Mm -hmm. caught up um, very quickly. But you asked about the verses. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, let's see. Let's start with Exodus 2012. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. That is the first commandment with a promise. And so, um, you know, honor, that's a that's actually not necessarily an action. That starts in the heart. That's a heart attitude. Mm. And so what I would say about that is God cares how our children behave because he cares about their hearts. Mm. It's not merely about the external. It's because what comes out of your mouth what comes out of your body and what you do what you choose to do is a reflection of what is in your heart and so he does care about the fruit because he cares about the root and so um you know that's where i would would start psalm 127 3 says children are a heritage from the lord offspring a reward from him um we are to view them first as gods they are they are not ours they are from god and they are a reward so they are not really it's not all up to us how we parent them proverbs 22 6 says start ch- children off on the way they should go and when they are old they will not return for or will not turn from it um so with from that we can see that we are to start young with the mind to train these kids for life this is this is a safe place your home is a safe place to learn to make mistakes The world is not a safe place to learn and make mistakes. When you make a mistake on the job, you could lose the job. You know, when you talk back to um, a friend, you could end up in a fight. Like that's, that's kind of what the training ground of the home is. It's meant to be a shelter and a safeguard and a place for them to learn um, in the safety of our, you know, under their parents. Um, And then Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9, uh, that passage says, you know, these commandments that I've given you today are to be on your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, um, there's this idea that there are no breaks. There's no breaks for the parent. You don't ever, you're not ever off the clock. You are always Mm -hmm. on duty. Everything, uh, is an opportunity to shepherd, to guide, to potentially discipline. And when I say discipline, I don't, that's not synonymous with spanking, just to be clear, that's that discipline, it, it can include that, but it is not synonymous with. So when I say discipline, I mean shepherding, guiding. Um, That's Proverbs good. 13, 24. This is one that gets twisted a lot by gentle parents in the Christian world. We are. Um, it says, whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to, to discipline them. Um, this indicates whether or not you agree with spanking, this actually indicates a negative consequence. You can't deny that whether you think the rod is literal or figurative, this is a negative consequence. And gentle parents will argue that this only means kind of shepherd and guiding. But they and they they do a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, textual gymnastics to come Mm. to those conclusions. And they'll say that the the person in the, the child in this verse is actually referring to a young adult male. It wasn't about a child. And so it was incorrectly translated. Um, they'll mm. use a lot of, you know, very kind of higher critical um, measures using the text to to distort what verses mean. Yeah. First uh, Peter five, two through three says, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve not lording mm. it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. 
And while this is about the church, the principle here that we can draw is that we aren't to lord that authority that we are given over children over them. Like it's it's an entrustment that we have been given. We are we are entrusted with them. And so we're to be examples. And so for me, that looks like um you know, actually being humble and I'll tell my kids when they're dealing with sin issues, how I've dealt with those same sin issues. I'll share things from my childhood or from my adolescence or from yesterday where I had to repent or ask God for forgiveness, or I will ask them for forgiveness or, you know, humble myself. And I will share those things to show them, like, I don't think I'm better than you. I Mm -hmm. I am here to help you and I'm older than you and I'm your mom, but I'm not I'm not better or above the law, you know, in that sense. Um, Mm. So, and then one of my favorites really is Hebrews 12, seven through 11. And that says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children for what children are not disciplined by their father. If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful later on. However, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So we are to do the hard thing and discipline our kids in love because we love them. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just don't know how you get around any of these verses and find yourself at a place that you really um, refuse to, to both uh, intervene and to guide your children and to even provide negative consequences when you need to. And, um, you know, and, and follow the things that the, the gentle parenting movement is, is really rejecting. Yeah, that's, that's really good. You know, what is most uh, encouraged you as you've gotten, you know, many, many, and I know many, that's probably putting it mildly messages and what's most discouraged you by those messages. Um, yeah, that's a good question. I think that what has encouraged me the most is the, like you said, hundreds, if not thousands of messages I've gotten from people who have told me that they were falling for this movement, but something that I've shared in this conversation. And then there's another um, gal, Ashley Kinsel, who has been speaking about it a bunch. And we found each other at the same time because we both started talking about it on Instagram and I didn't even know her before. And we both kind of came to this, you know, topic independently of each other. But I've heard from so many people, oh my goodness, I was so falling prey to this or wow, I did not see it before, but now I do. I mean, even just this this week, I had someone say that to me. Um, this one popular Christian gentle parenting account said that whining is not a sin. Whining is a morally neutral thing that is just a development developmentally appropriate action. And so it's morally neutral. And I, you know, took to Instagram to talk about that and was like, just because something is is developmentally uh, appropriate or normal doesn't mean it isn't sinful. You know, lying is also very common at the age of four or five and six. But does that mean that lying isn't a sin? No. I mean, of course, there are lots of things that are that are happening that cause a child to um, to whine a lot at the age of eight or nine. I mean, I have an eight year old. I know they whine, but it's still sin. And so uh, but I, I so for to prove my point, I basically got on Instagram and started whining the way my kids do and was just like, but mom, why aren't we going to have dessert yet? Or, but mom, you said, and just doing that. And a girl said, okay, earlier when you shared this, I totally didn't agree with you. And now I see it. And so I think that's the encouraging thing is that like, even though it feels like, you know, I'm beating the drum over and over and you know, it, it may seem like if you haven't gotten it yet, you're not going to, you're just maybe not going to see the light. You're going to keep thinking that I'm, I'm unnecessarily rejecting these ideas and being kind of a, a, a meanie or a bully or something. There are still people waking up. There are still people seeing the dangers of it. There are still people coming to me saying, I brought this into our home. It nearly ruined our kids. It nearly ruined my marriage. My husband wasn't on board. Uh, I forced it on him. I forced it on our family. And that's that's the typical story is that the mom, you know, they have uh, often more FaceTime with the kids. And so they're the primary caregiver. And so 
They are also the ones scrolling Instagram, finding these accounts. Their friends are sending them, oh, I found this great, this this great philosophy or, oh, this is so helpful. Here, check it out. And they're going and, and learning about this stuff and then bringing it into their homes. And it, it goes against your instincts as a parent. I think that's why it's intriguing because it does go against your instincts, um, which is also something to, you know, maybe pay attention to. Um, <laughs> but husbands will, they will see that red flag and be like, I don't like, I don't want to do this. I don't like that. Like that doesn't, that doesn't feel right. They're going to learn to disobey us. And the wife's like, no, no, it's, it's kind of like this esoteric, like there's this sit, hidden secret knowledge available. If you just do what they say, it's going to lead to this other result. And, um, and so, yeah, I'm encouraged to to hear all of the stories, the testimonies of people who are saying uh, that they are, you know, that they are turning from this and they're actually going back to biblical parenting and um, not just holding boundaries, but giving their kids even negative consequences losing things, being willing to disappoint their kids, being willing to take away privileges, being willing to do whatever the hard thing is in that moment um, that the moment requires. And um, I'm just kind of, every time I hear those stories, I think it's like one less kid that gets ruined by these terrible parenting philosophies. So um, that's encouraging. Yeah. As far as discouraged, um, I would say just being made more aware of the amount of people who are not going to see the red flags because they are not in sound churches where they're learning scripture the way that I was describing earlier as one big story from Genesis to Revelation. And and they're not grasping that we don't need to merely worry about what do the rod verses in Proverbs say. We need to look at scripture as a whole. And when they're not learning that, these arguments around a particular verse seem really compelling because they think that that is the only reason that they would parent the way the Bible says is this verse in Proverbs, Mm. you know, completely ignoring all, all of the old Testament, all of God disciplining his children, his chosen people, Israel Mm. in the desert, walking them Mm. around for 40 years, um, even disciplining them for their whining and complaining and grumbling. Um, Mm. All of these, I mean, they didn't enter into his rest. They didn't enter into the promised land. Like they, there's so much we can learn from scripture about how to parent and how God parents us and even parents those whom he loves with discipline. That when you don't learn scripture that way, when you don't learn how to read it in light of the whole, um, you become a lot more susceptible to these types of arguments. And, And that is the thing that is discouraging to me is that, there is seemingly a you know a shortage of that kind of sound teaching from the pulpit. Oh yeah. Yeah. You mm-hmm. you hit on something that I talk about quite a bit. I mean, you know, what when you're talking about this, I can't help but think, you know, these these people that have the gentle parenting philosophy, and you kind of touched on it, they think that the Bible is essentially and I haven't read in it, but it seems to me like they're just they're just holding to a view of the Bible that's like a fairy tale and a myth. And it's like uh, just just address the moralistic. Well, there was a old in 2005. There's I think it was 2005. Uh, there's a, a book that came out that taught moral therapeutic deism. Mm-hmm. And this when you're, you're talking, I'm like, oh, just address the moral of the behavior and don't get to the heart. Don't deal mm-hmm. with the heart. Right. Um, you have to, like you're saying, you have to do all of it. I mean, mm-hmm. and utilize the whole Bible. Um, so I can't, I can't help but just as, as you're talking about that, I'm just like, well, this is, this got to be another branch or seem, seeming a branch of that you've hit on because you speak out against progressive Christianity. Well, mm-hmm. it's not Christianity. We we use air quotes on this show right. for yeah. that for that reason, but. I can't I can't help it just knowing the the background all of that mm-hmm. and the history of it I can't help but just think that. What do you what do you think? Do you think that's do you think that's a fair observation or Um yeah, I think it's possible. The reason I don't find it hard to believe really um I don't know that the the Christian gentle parents that that I am often critiquing would agree with you, but the thing is that the gentle parenting philosophy is a secular one. And so it's coming from people who are in many ways, moralistic, therapeutic deists, and they are worried about basically um, doing good and living a good life and that they're concerned with raising, you know, you've seen the t-shirts, raise kind humans. That's the greatest good in life is to raise kind humans. 
okay, well, first of all, how do you define kindness? What's what's kind? In their definition, many of these secularists, obviously it would be completely accepting of anyone who says yeah. they love whoever they love. And, um, you know, and they would view someone who's not affirming of LGBTQ as a hateful bigot. And that's, well, that's not raising a kind human. You're raising little bigots. And so, you know, you have to really realize that when you're talking about Christianizing these ideas, well, they're coming from secularists. They're coming from people who actually don't have any concern or care for God's word or what the Bible says. And so I'm, I'm not surprised that when we try and kind of um, modify those things to fit into our worldview and say that, oh, this this is actually somehow uh, utilizing all of these Christian categories. I'm not surprised that we would end up in a similar place, you know, to, yeah. to those who started it. Yeah, I'm not saying that they are. I'm just saying it sounds like just to, mm-hmm. just to, it sounds to me when you as you're talking, it sounds this way. You know, yeah. we we want to be give the benefit of the doubt. And I'll be I'll be honest. Anybody listening, I haven't done any reading on it. I've seen your post. That's mm-hmm. about that's about the extent of me looking mm-hmm. into it. So nobody should take that as me making a, a jump mm-hmm. to saying that they are progressive Christians and those types of things. So, yeah. And I I don't know. I mean, I I, I don't know enough about the people to to be able to say whether they're progressive in other areas. Yeah. Um, but the concern always is that when you are trafficking in a secular idea into your quote unquote biblical worldview, and, and actually they they de- they deny the idea of a biblical worldview. They say, Wow. They they say the Bible doesn't talk about having a biblical worldview. That's a term that's about 200 years old. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh my goodness, like I can't even believe we're having this conversation. Like what yeah. I what I mean when I say that is do you understand what the Bible has to say about man, about God, about why we're here, about life, death, the 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 afterlife, the problem of sin and suffering, the problem of evil? Like, do you, do you have biblical definitions and understandings of the answers to all of those questions? That's what I mean when I say biblical worldview. And so mm. my point is that for them, yeah. I think that they're uh, that they are off in some of those areas because they have adopted this philosophy and now this is the lens through which they view all of scripture. So it's not like hey yeah. the bible is authoritative and inerrant and infallible. Let me evaluate gentle parenting in light of that. It is gentle parenting is authoritative and infallible mm-hmm. and inerrant. Let me mm-hmm. evaluate the bible in, in light of that. That's yeah. basically yeah. what is happening. Yeah, that's really good. Um, you know, I know you're very passionate and that has definitely come through about kids and the future of kids. And I know you spend a lot of time talking about that. Um, and uh, what are, what, you know, whether whether you're going to go the homeschool route or the, you know, the public school route or the Christian school route, what are what are some ways that parents who choose whatever, whichever one and whichever one, what are some ways in which they can um, dis- disciple their children, as you talked about, in their home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, the number one thing I would say is teach them God's word, teach them the Bible. Um, there's so many amazing resources today to do that. Uh, if you have really young kids, you can start with um, the Gospel Story Bible uh, by Marty Machowski. That's a really solid resource. I love that. I love the book Theology. Um, I would say get a solid catechism, whether that is, you know, the Westminster Shorter Catechism or um, I love alongside them. They're these little thick flip books that we can we have on our counter on a little stand that the girls can um, flip through and read as they're eating or just when they're getting ready for school in the morning. Um, You know, there's so many resources. So on that front, like, you know, there's just there's a lot that we could talk about, but teaching them God's word, I mean, having them in um in church every week you know bringing them to church and whether that is a, a sunday school program or they're sitting in with you just having that be something that's built into their life um mm-hmm. and you know obviously being um i think it has to start with us and more is caught than taught you know dave rams he says that more is caught than taught and so they're going to be much more impressed by um your your example than they are just your words. And so, you know, I want 
I want to read my Bible because I want to know God, but I also want to read my Bible because I want my kids to see that I value God's word. I want them to see that I value spending time. I'm not just throwing rules and law at them, but I'm having a relationship with the king, you know, the king of the universe. And so I I want them to to learn from from my actual real life and not just kind of what I tell them. Um but I would also say just to not be afraid to um follow scripture's commands, to require obedience, to um require respect and that your home is the safest place for them to mess up. It's the safest place for them to sin, to come up against your loving disobedience so that they can be trained so that when they go out in the world where it is hard, where you aren't with them to help them, that they're prepared. I I just, to me, that is the most loving thing I can do is prepare my kids where it's safe so that when they go out where it's not safe, they're ready. So, I mean, yeah, that's, that's kind of my answer in short. Um, I guess the other thing I'll say is to model grace. Um, there's been a number of times where my kids did deserve, um, a consequence. They maybe should have had something taken away, but if I've seen, you know, um, true repentance in their heart and I've seen a true shift in the course of our conversation dealing with the issue, I will choose to show them grace and I will use the opportunity to, to show them and and to talk about how I can extend grace because grace was extended to me. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I will also say that discipline is a means of grace as well. So I don't think you're not giving grace when you discipline. But there are times as a parent that you might come into a situation or a cir- circumstance where you deem it necessary and and a, a safe time to to extend that. And so, you know, and like I said earlier, to share your own sin and failure in humility with your kids. Yeah, that's good. You know, you're you're a very I see this. I think we've I've been following you. We've been following each other for like a year and a half now. I mm-hmm. think it's like going on two years now. I think I, I can't remember exactly. Yeah, I don't but, remember either. But it's but like I, I watch and I and I just kind of sit back and I and I've just noticed I am a pretty observant by nature. And I've just noticed you're very passionate about this. You're passionate about the biblical worldview. So what advice do you have to give parents to help their children navigate the challenges that they face? You know, like here in Oregon, for example, they're teaching their kids uh, LGBTQ stuff. And I've heard from other, you know, pastors around mm-hmm. the country, they're getting taught, their their kids and their churches are getting taught this. And, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that people don't like this answer, um, but I would say, first of all, you have to be educated. So you need you need to know what's going on. Um, but you also need to talk to your kids. And, you know, like I said, I have a six and an eight-year-old and the three-year-old is too young to understand any of this. But the six and the eight-year-old, we've talked about a number of, of cultural issues right now that are going on. Um, we've talked about, you know, uh, the matters of um, that are surrounding the LGBTQ conversation. What does it mean to be gay? Is this... God's design for the family? Is this his design for men and women? Um, you know, what is what is um, God's best and what is his plan and what is obedience to that look like and what does disobedience look like? And is this sin or is this not sin? What if someone said this? What would you say? I, I play devil's advocate all the time and just mm-hmm. I ask them questions and, you know, not that they always know the answer. Sometimes they're like, well, I don't know. And then I'll say, then I'll ask another question. Well, what what do you think about this? And I just engage with them on these conversations obviously at an age appropriate level but i don't want them to to learn what any of this is from the world i want i want to be the one who's leading the narrative and the conversation on that and giving them the truth first mm-hmm. um i know that you know parents are the most influential person in the in the child's life and so even if your kids are in public school or private school and they're not with you 8 hours a day um, you're still the most influential voice in their life. And I think parents sometimes really discredit that and they assume that if their kids are somewhere else that they're probably getting what they need from that private Christian school and they'll they'll do a good job. I don't have to worry about it. And I would just say, you are dead wrong. You are the most influential voice in their life and mm-hmm. you need to be the one speaking to them about those things. And, you know, I don't know how many people think that, but, you know, those schools are really not addressing a lot of these issues. My kids are in a private Christian school they're not touching on that. Like my kid, they're teaching Bible, but they're teaching Bible stories. Like, and granted, I only have a six and eight year old, but I want them to learn 
Um, I want them to learn biblical definitions on, on some of those topics. Now, I don't want to wait till they're 14 and they've already had friends who have told them that they're gay or lesbian and that it's just how they were born. I don't want that to be, you know, the, the, the leading narrative in their mind and, and then have these, these friends or peers shepherding my kids when they were in my house, you know, and, and I could have, I could have done that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, be educated and then educate your kids too. That's really good. Really, I like that. So where can people go to find out more about you on social media or otherwise and tell us again about your podcast so people can definitely go and click subscribe. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you can search Kindled Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, my website's kindledpodcast.com. But I'm most active on Instagram at Haley.Kindled. And that's H-A-L-E-Y dot Kindled. Awesome. Well, just as we wrap up, you know, there's a lot that lot to say about this, I'm sure. And I'm sure you have even more thoughts. But just as we wrap up and land the plane, do you have any takeaways for people? Man, um, I would just say. Trust God, like trust him from beginning to end, from looking at what his word says and trusting that he is good that he yeah. loves you, that he loves your kids, that what his word contains, although it, it is sometimes hard, it's hard to walk out as a parent, mm-hmm. that um, that the God who loves your kids more than you ever could would not steer you in the wrong direction. And that mm-hmm. um, faithfulness is made possible through the Holy Spirit. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and it doesn't all depend on you. You know, that mm-hmm. my grandma, when my grandpa died, uh, she said, she, you know, there were a number of weeks where, you know, she just didn't even want to keep on going. She didn't want to keep on living without him. And mm-hmm. she found that uh, she, it was really impressed upon her. God kind of showed her that he would give her the manna that she needed for today, but mm-hmm. she could not store it overnight because it would rot. So mm-hmm. I would just say, you know, God will give you what you need today. He will give you the grace to parent today according to his will and parent in light of scripture. But don't look too far into the future because you will get overwhelmed and there's no grace for tomorrow. You have grace for today um, and he will give you what you need tomorrow, but don't try and store it up because it will rot overnight. And, uh, you know, just just trust him. He's good and he loves you and your kids. Yeah. Well, Haley, thank you so much for coming on equipping and grace uh we appreciate i appreciate your your bold courageous thoughtful voice that is grounded in god's word and i encourage you if you when you listen to this podcast go over subscribe listen follow instagram facebook whatever follow Haley. so thank you yeah, so much thank Dave. you so much dave yeah Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.